0: Greetings and felicitations! Welcome. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. Slash I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Welcome aboard. How are you doing on this fine Friday evening? It's cool night. Uh, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. And uh, today I'm going to talk about loss. I lost something today. But let me back up a little bit. Let's go back to January of 2020. We just turned the calendar. We started a new year. Nobody had heard of ever heard of COVID-19. There wasn't a hoarding of toilet paper or paper goods or meat, and everything was good. Um, I began a new year at the clinic. On San Saba. And as I'm sitting there, hooked up to the machine, looking at the TV, I see one of the doctors going from patient to patient, like they always do. I always assumed they were making rounds, but uh, they weren't. In tow was uh, a man who I didn't know. But. Oh, excuse me, but when I saw him as they got closer to me because I knew my turn was coming as they got closer to me I got a good look at him and I said I guess he's a new hire because that's the only reason they would do something like this and as I sized him up I'm like well he looks like another corporate shell who's going to tow the corporate line the corporation line and once again we we, we the patients get screwed so when it came to my turn he was introduced to me as Albert Alberto Pena, from the Valley, he was going to be the new FA, the facility administrator, the boss. He was the person that the technicians and the nurses would answer to. So we, we made our introductions and I said okay. I wasn't impressed and I'm being honest. So, the day ended, the week ended, and then comes Monday, which is the beginning of the new week, and I'm getting hooked up to the machine, and there it was, that that gentleman, Alberto. So, it's 5.30 in the morning, so he'd been there since 4. He came in, and he took command. I was very impressed. As opposed to not being very impressed by him the, last, the earlier in the week when I met him. So, I see him with a clipboard and he's going once again from patient to patient. When he got to me, he actually pulled a chair out from one of the counters and sat down next to me and started talking to me. Actually, not doing a Q&A, but but it was more of a meet-and-greet, and he gave me his background, which was very impressive. This individual started out as a technician in a dialysis clinic, then became a registered nurse, and then he started running facilities for different clinics, so he took this job because... This was something new to me, a facility administrator. All we had were floor nurses that were running the show, and they, these two individuals did a very piss-poor job of doing that. The technicians pretty much ran roughshod over everything, did what they wanted. There was pretty much no discipline, and uh, we were treated very badly, at least from my perspective. So... Albert starts talking to me about what is it I expect so I told him and I said you know what I had written you off as a corporate shill but now that I've had this conversation with you I'm willing to give you a chance and let me see what you're going to do for us so that's where we left it the funny thing in my head he seemed to know a lot more about me than what I let on, what he let on. I don't know if he looked at read my my charts or the doctor's notes or, or had conversations with the doctors about me, but probably because I'm the most vocal. No, that's not true. there is there's another guy, Galvan who's very, very vocal also but uh, anyway. Oddly enough, he and I hit it off. And so every session, there he was, he was going in at four o'clock in the morning. He was running his troops. Uh, there were changes that I noticed. See, cause it's like I've told you before, I'm there for four hours. All I do is sit there and watch TV. And since I, when I get tired of watching TV, I watch them. I watch the technicians. I watch the nurses. I know what they do, I know their routine, I know what they what it is they're going to be doing, you know, when they distribute the meds, when they distribute the proteins, when they distribute supplies. I know, I learned a long time ago, if you want to understand human nature, it's very simple. The things that people do and the times that they do them. One thing about humans, we're all creatures of habit. Actually, every animal is a creature of habit. You can sit outside on your front porch and you can watch the same squirrel every morning and do the same thing because that's his routine. Your, the dog in your house will do the same thing every day because that's his routine. And humans are no different. So, he took charge of his clinic. He stopped the horseplay. He got the troops under more control. Uh, the, the people showed, not showing up for work or being late stopped. And things improved. Oddly enough, they improved dramatically. He, uh, he, he got things for the patients, things that we needed, things that we needed to, to get done. He let fires under the social worker and the dietitian. They, they, were, they were much more uh, active and uh, he was he was our communication portal between us and the doctors because we don't always have access to the doctors only when they come to the clinic to, to do a visit but he would go to bat for us he would go hey you know so and so doesn't need this and the doctor would get it done so this was our relationship for the past nine months and then two weeks ago on Wednesday Albert came around and said hey could you do me a favor, before you leave today, stop by my office, I said, okay, I wonder what he wants, all right, so I got done with my session, and as I'm leaving with my bag, uh, I go to his office, knock on the door, hey, Albert, you wanted to see me, he said, yeah, come on in, and have a seat, so I sat down, he gets up, and he closes the door, I'm like, whoa, okay, what's going to happen, so he said, uh, he started telling me about the relationship that he and I had, and that he had with all the patients, all 250 of us. That's a lot of people, that's impressive, that he knows a little bit of something about each one of us. He made it a point to do that. That's caring to me. And he told me that he was gonna be leaving in a, few we- in a couple of weeks. I was shocked. I thought we had a good thing here with him. So I asked him what was the reason, well, He came in like gangbusters, and he put in 125% every day. He would come in and put in 12, 15-hour days. That's uh, what he was telling me, and the company was allowing him to do that. And it was starting to burn him out. He reached a level where he just couldn't be here every morning at four o'clock, and leave every evening at nine o'clock, be the last, first one in, last one out, just like a general on the battlefield, battlefield. So, he was leaving, and there was nothing I could do about it, because obviously the corporate higher-ups accepted his resignation, because there was nothing they could do to make his life better. Well, that's not true. There was nothing that they really wanted to do to make his life better. So today was Albert's last day, and that's why I'm uh, doing this segment to him because he was a very, very unique force. Now he already has a replacement waiting in the wings, and we have no idea what this is going to be all about. Is he going to do for us like Albert did? Is it going to be worse? Is it going to get? Is it going to get to the point where? The technicians do what they want there's no discipline I don't know but uh, Albert had an impact on everybody and I'm gonna miss him he went from a facilitator to my friend and that's not uh, any small feat so Albert Alberto Pena your ace is in my book man And I'm going to miss you to death. And I got your number and I'll give you a call every now and then to let you know how I'm doing. And uh, there you go. All right, you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles slash I'm Not Dead Yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We've got more stuff coming at you. We'll be right back. We're back. You're listening to the Cherryland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for coming back. Um, today is Tuesday, September the 15th, and uh, well, it's been a really weird day. I'm not going to get into too much of it, but the highlight of my day was meeting a new pharmacist at uh, my pharmacy, CVSRC, Indian dude. And by Indian, I don't mean Redskin Indian. I mean like from New Delhi Indian. Uh, By the name of Justin. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, maybe his name is Justin. He spoke fairly decent English, so I'm assuming he was born in the USA. That doesn't make a difference to me. I don't care. He was a cool dude. But it reminds me of... uh, There's a convenience store that I used to go to a few blocks from my house... And one day I went in there and there were three guys, they were Persians, you could you could just tell the minute they opened their mouth, they spoke with very thick accent. So they engaged me in conversation, so I'm talking with them and I was like, so what's your name, partner? My name is Mike. I said, okay, Mike, what's your brother's name? His name is also Mike. And I said, the other guy behind the counter over there, behind the register, that is my other brother, Mike. And I was like all three of your name Mike that's funny to me uh, well, your parents just didn't didn't think originally or what or was Mike just the predominant that was their favorite name because I'm pretty sure your name is Ahmed Habib and Hamas you know no no relation to the terrorist group but I'm, I'm just figuring that much is correct oh no brah we are not we are Persian yeah I know exactly that means you're either Iranian or you're from Iraq. yeah, Persian. I get it. I said I used to serve with a lot of a lot of Persian guys when I was stationed in San Diego. so anyway, that's neither here nor there but uh, what I want to talk about is this this really pisses me off because from all the shootings of uh white cops on black individuals, uh, and I'm probably gonna catch a lot of flack for this. I really don't give a damn, you know, you know me. but uh, when they talk about the, uh, the, the what was his name Jacob Blake in uh, in Kenosha, the kid or the man in uh, in Atlanta that that was shot when he was when they were, when we were trying to put him into custody in uh, in Atlanta everywhere. You know, a black man has been killed by police. And why is it they automatically start pulling the race card as they start yelling things like black people get shot? You know what? White people get shot just as much as black people, but it's not that highly politi- or publicized. But I've looked into a lot of these shootings. Uh, the only one that really stands out is uh, the gal from Atlanta who was shot because uh, the police were serving a no-knock warrant and her boyfriend responded with a by shooting his gun because the warrant was for him she was an EMT he was a drug dealer did she not have enough common sense that maybe that was not the best relationship for her yeah I know she's dead and I I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to soil her memory I'm just saying you know, people, you got to wake up and start smelling the coffee because you can't be living like this. I have friends that sling drugs too. And I try to stay and keep my distance from them because they're dangerous. Because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, that's just the thing. So this guy said people, he thought people were breaking into his house, so he, he gets his gun out and he fires. Now, he's, he's gone up and down that he ha- he has a legal right to carry a gun. And you know what? You have a legal right. I have I have a concealed carry license myself. I don't carry a gun. I don't need to. But uh, now the, the fact that you have a right to carry a gun doesn't mean you have the right to shoot a gun. So now he committed. Now mistakes were committed on both sides. And I will give everybody each party this much. He fired a shot not knowing who or what he was shooting at. But he made the assumption somebody was trying to break into his house and steal his drugs or his money. The police didn't take much. When they hear a round go off, they're going to respond in kind. And unfortunately, his girlfriend got in the way and was killed. She was shot eight times. That's tragedy. That's a tragedy. But when we're talking all these, if you look at all these incidents, and I'm going to mention one that happened today in my own city. San Antonio police shot a guy uh, because he was struggling with a cop trying to get his gun out of his holster. So the other police officer that was there drew down, shot the guy once, and he's dead. They, I don't know if the man's black or white. I really don't know because there's not a whole lot of public outcry right now. But here's what I don't understand. It's one word, and the word is compliance. Why is it so hard to simply comply with the police? Now, you're going to say, oh man, if the police, well, you know what, that's your prerogative. I, I, I don't, I'm a firm believer in police. We need them because when the shit hits the fan and you're up against a wall in the middle of the night and you have the ability to reach your phone and dial 911, guess what's coming to help you? Well, guess who's coming, a complete and total stranger, somebody you don't know, but he's willing to put his life or her life on the line for you. And you want to say F the police? Well, be my guest. I'm not. I'm not going to argue with you. So, uh, why is it so hard to comply? Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, I, I. don't. I don't give any. I don't. I don't give any cop any hard time. I want. I want the the stoppage to go as quickly as possible, and either give me a ticket or send me on my way with a warning. And if you're a person in San Antonio that gets pulled over and you're very decent with the, with the officer, you're probably going to get a warning and you're going to get sent on your way. You know, the, the quota days are over. They don't do that anymore. But um, you can't convince people of that. There was a guy here in San Antonio. He's a black man. He got pulled over by the cops. He was doing, he was having a jog, but he fit the description of a, of a suspect they were looking for. So the police pull him over and they ask him for his ID. He says he didn't have to show them an ID, and so he wouldn't give them his name. And now somebody, and then you hear this from all these lawyers: you don't have to give it you don't have to give your name. Well, here's the thing: when the police pull you over and start questioning you, it's because they have probable cause that you committed a crime. Until they can verify the fact that you're not the person they're looking for, guess what? You need to play the game. So you need to tell them their name, your name. That way they can run you through the computer, and they can find out. Yeah, this is not the guy we're looking for. He just fits the description, but he's not the guy. You produce ID, you tell them who you are, because you, if you here's what happens. If you truly, truly decide to be a dick and not tell the police who you are, they have the right to detain you now because of that, until they verify your identity to, to, to verify that you're not a threat to them or the community. See, y'all don't understand this, but I'm a person that has been pulled over by the cops. I have even had a gun pulled on me by a cop. And... Um, no, it's because you just hate the police so much. What did the police ever do to you? When I was 18 years old, I was home on leave from the Navy, and I had a bad habit. I would just get up in the car and just cruise all night long because I was 18. I had a whole bunch of energy, so I would, I would go on to just cruise. Well, one night, it was one in the morning, and I was cruising through Alamo Heights, which was a bad thing for me to be doing. I wasn't speeding because I know this I know I know Alamo Heights I know the Balcony sites Almost Park you you need to be immaculate when you're going through those parts of town because they'll pull you over for just breathing wrong or even looking like you don't belong so I'm in Alamo Heights it's one in the morning and I see the lights go on damn I'm like three blocks from Broadway I mean now from Hildebrand which is the dividing line but actually that Bill Miller's so I pull over. I think I'm in front of an old. It's a church. It's, it's not there anymore. It's it's well the building's still there, but it's not a church anymore. It used to be a church, United Methodist, I think it was called. So, I I ha- I didn't know what the procedures were. There are procedures for getting pulled over that you should follow as a, as a as a respectable citizen. So I did roll down my window, put the car in gear, turned it off. The officer came up, big pot bellied white man, about six five. Walked up. What you doing, boy? Okay, we're already getting off to a bad start. I said, nothing, sir, just driving around. You know you don't belong on this side of town. I says, well, sir, I was over here by the airport, and I decided to come home the long way, you know, and I I know I had to cut through Alamo Heights. So he's standing in front of me, and I can see him tapping on his gun with his hand. He's, he's rolling his fingers on his, on his gun. And he's like You see my gun boy? I was like, Yes sir. He goes, you know what I like to shoot with this gun? And I said, No, sir. He said Puerto Ricans. I like to he goes, I like to shoot cans. Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Africans so now I'm starting to worry because this is not this is not going way. I said was I speeding sir no you just you just wrong color for this part of town this is 1978 you have to remember this okay so he just interrogated me then finally he said would you step out of the car and I said okay so I got out of the car he said put your hands on the hood of the car spread your legs so I spread my legs and I put my hands on the hood of the car he patted me down And I said, this is where it's going to come. He's going to pull a gun out of my waistband and said that I had a concealed weapon. No. He goes, okay, you can get in your car. He goes, let me tell you something, son. Now I'm son. He goes, don't let me catch you in this part of town at this time of night ever again. And I said, no, sir, you will never see me in this part of town ever again. I started my car, he walked back to his, he turned his lights off and just sat there until I pulled off and cleared, cleared the area. So yeah, I have a story about police oppression. Did I report it? No, it's 1978. No, nobody gave a shit back then about what some 18-year-old Mexican kid cruising around at night was gonna when he got hassled by the cops. Now, when I got a gun drawn on me, that was many years later in San Diego, as because I was drunk and acting a fool, but that's another story for another time. But compliance is the word. The woman that hung herself some years back because a state trooper pulled her over for speeding, or you no, know, a bus, a taillight, and she wouldn't put her cigarette out, and, and he made her put it out, then he made her, he made her get off the car. Why do you resist? Why is it what is it in you many of you that you got to resist the police? If you just comply and do what they ask, answer their questions, you'll be on your way very quickly. But no, you want to escalate into something because I I don't know, do you want to be a hero? Do you want to be the martyr for a cause? I don't. I do not want to be a martyr for a cause. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But I know there's a lot of people that would have been alive today if they had just complied. I don't understand this. It just makes no sense to me. But, uh, here's, and, and if you ask, well, I used to teach the Friends of Driving, so there's a procedure for when you get pulled over. When you see the lights behind you flashing, you pull, you slow down and pull over to the curb. If the, car, if the cops don't follow you, then you know he's, he's going to pull you over. Now, if you're in a residential area, find a well-lit house to pull up to. Or if you're on a busy street, pull into a parking lot of a food service place or, or a Walmart. something Someplace that's very well-lit. And I'm, do, I'm saying to do this for your safety and for the safety of the officer. Now, here's the thing we don't think about. The officer is in his car and he's thinking, God, i got to pull this guy over. I don't know what I'm going to walk into. So a lot of times you may see a cop approach your car slowly from the rear of your mirrors and you may see him unfasten the, the, uh, the, the belt on his, on, his, on his pistol. So that way if he's got to draw it, he's going to draw it quick. And so don't get offended by that. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, you know yeah, that's, yeah, I get it. Just chill out. So uh, as, you, as you put your car in park, turn the engine off. If you have interior lights, turn them on. If you have blacked out windows roll them down so that way the, the police officer can see inside your car and make sure there's not extra, extra heads that, that were you're hiding somebody and also make sure while the cop is getting out of his car you're pulling two things out of your out of your wallet, your driver's license and your insurance or your insurance registra- your registration card with your insurance proof of insurance. And when you address the officer, it's yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, what was, was I speeding, what was the charge, da 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 The officer will tell you. And then the officer is probably going to ask you, what are you doing out here? Why were you, you driving erratically? That's what happened to me. And my reason was to the officer was that it was a girl, female cop. And I said, well, when I get off work, I'm a little wound up. So I take a long drive. I said, I live like six blocks right up this way. But I take a long drive to unwind a little bit so I can go to bed. So she said, Where do you work? I said, In a comedy club. She goes, Is that a bar? I said, Yeah, but I don't drink. I said, If you want to you, you do a brother, I guess I'm, I haven't been drinking, I'm not drunk. I said, I'm diabetic, I don't drink anymore. I said, You want to hear something funny, officer? You're not going to believe this, but I used to be, well, I, I'm still a licensed a defensive driving instructor. She got the biggest kick out of that. She goes, and here you are getting pulled over. I said, yeah, I know. She goes, you know, you seem like a nice guy, and you don't seem drunk. I just want you to do me a favor. Keep it in the speed limit, and don't be driving, don't be changing lanes the way you were doing when I saw you. I said, oh, absolutely, officer. I apologize. So she said, you have a nice night. She did run my my license. See if I had any outstanding warrants. I don't. And the car wasn't stolen, so she sent me on my way and I went, I I took my drive around, I came back home, got inside and went to bed. That is the way you you handle a traffic stop. The cop is only doing his job. If you think you've got a chip on your shoulder because you don't like cops, not all cops are bad. But I'm going to tell you something real quick. You start pushing a cop's buttons. I don't care what who, who the cop is, white, black, Asian. You're going to push their buttons. There's no point for that. There's no reason for that. Just go along with what they're, what they're doing. They're doing their job. I mean, would you get all up in, in somebody's uh, case at McDonald's because they said, did you want pickles and onions? You know, because this is not Burger King, man. You can't have it your way. So just do that favor. Just use your head and remember one word, comply, comply, comply. It might save your life. That'll do it for this segment of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for listening and thanks for sticking around. And I'm going to ask you once again, stick around. we got more stuff coming at you. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around and welcome back. Well, today is Tuesday, September the 16th. Uh, many of us know it as El Dia del Grito, the year of the day of the shout, though when Mexico declared its independence from France and celebrated by a high-pitched wail of celebration. Uh, So, happy birthday, Mexico. Uh, Okay, today is, like I said, September the 16th. And yesterday, I got a vaccine shot for shingles. About a month ago or so, my girlfriend came down with shingles. She's over 50, so... Uh, she came down with a case of shingles and they were very painful and very excruciating and very pretty much played hell on her psyche. It's, it's a very devastating thing because it's, uh, it's like every nerve ending around the, uh, the lesion just screaming out in pain and you feel it. It's not pleasant and even when the lesion goes away, uh, you still have residual aftershocks like if somebody's trying to push a, a fork into you uh, at, that, at that point of uh, where the, the lesion was. So actually, it's more prevalent in people over 50 to come down with shingles. What is shingles? Well, it is a virus called herpes zester or zoster. And what it is, it's a leftover from when you were a kid and you had the chicken pox. Uh, because the chicken pox is another form of herpes. Yeah, you just thought you caught it after sex. Oh no 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 no! Chicken pox is a virus that results in you know you getting the the pox all over your skin, itchy. So the shingles is the same thing, almost as the chicken pox, just a thousand million times worse. To the infinity power stone or something like that. You get the you get the gist. So anyway. Uh, My girl broke out with shingles. I don't have shingles, but I do have the virus. Everybody does. Everybody that's had chicken pox has the virus. And uh, if you don't take preventative measures, it can be very devastating. And in my case, because I have a compromised immune system, because my kidneys don't work, even more so. So I've had to refrain from CNR. Although a couple of weeks ago, I just took a chance and just said to hell with it and uh, went for it. So yesterday, I went because my doctor was completely out of the vaccine, so I had to go to my local CVS pharmacy and uh, got the sh- got the vi- got the uh, vaccine yesterday. So the last thing the pharmacist told me after he gave me the shot was that. He said, many people complain of severe fatigue for a few days after the the shot. And I was like, okay. Uh, The arm felt pretty good. It was a little sore. But other than that, I felt okay. So I went about my business yesterday. And when I got home, I was like, okay, I still feel pretty good. Okay, so, later that afternoon, my legs, my God, my legs felt like I'd walked for a few miles. They were just aching and sore, my hips were sore, my hips were achy, which is very rare. So I said, okay, maybe this is, these are the after effects that the pharmacist was telling me about. So I went to bed, got up this morning to go to clinic. I felt okay. I got to clinic, we started it up, they put me on the machine. And then they started to take liquid off. They were taking off 2.7 kilos, almost six pounds. But uh, toward the end of the treatment, I had about 15 minutes left, and I started putting myself away, and I, I just felt really, really tired, more so than usual. So as I'm getting ready to come off the machine, the technician says, is everything okay? I said, yeah, I just feel this, this, and this. He goes, wow. He goes, your blood pressure's fine. Your blood pressure's been holding steady. He goes, um, you know, I'm going to give you some fluid because I told him I did have a, a slight stitch in my right side. I said, no, no, no. I'll just get rid of from breathing my breathing exercises. So he went ahead and took me off the machine. I walked to my car. I made it to my car. Made it home. And after I had my mid-morning meal or my post-clinic meal, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I had trouble thinking, I had trouble focusing, and my body was just blah, you know? And then I told my mom, I said, you know, I think these are the, the, the this thing, this is the fatigue the pharmacist was telling me about because I feel like crap. I don't usually feel like this after clinic. I'm a little tired, but this time I felt exhausted. So I went to my room, and I slept. I fell asleep. Uh, I usually get up around 2 o'clock, and I'm good to go. I didn't get up at 2 o'clock. I got up at 10 minutes to 3, and I didn't want to get up. I wanted to roll over and go back to sleep. Okay, so I said, you got to get up, man. You got to get moving. You got to start doing your, your stuff. So I get up. And I still feel like crap, but I, I downed a little water, and I started to feel better, put something back in my stomach. Then I had dinner, and uh, I went and sat down in my chair, turned on the TV, and I fell asleep. And I didn't wake up until 10 o'clock, which was time for me to go to bed. So here I am. It's uh, just It's just a warning. Everybody's pretty much up on the whole PM thing. And by PM, I mean preventive medicine. And preventive medicine starts with vaccines. Simply because I bring this up because we're going to be staring down the barrel of another vaccine, the COVID vaccine, when it's ready. If they say what they mean uh, by November the 2nd, the day before Election Day. So... Vaccines go way, way back. I remember back in the in the late 60s, we went were, we were to, my, my mom and my aunts, we went to Brackenridge High School because they were giving out polio vaccines. And so they gave you a little paper cup with a sugar cube in it. You pop the sugar cube in your mouth and you swallow the, the, the vaccine. And this was at about the time when they started curing polio completely, eradicating it. So... That was my first true interaction with a vaccination. Of course, there was one when I was a kid, when I was, I think, five or six. Right before you went to school, you had to get your vac- vaccinations, all your shots. Just like a dog, you had to get your shots. Well, nowadays, people um, are opting not to give their kids vac- get their kids vaccinated, which is a big problem. With some schools, especially with the COVID now. Because some people just refuse to vaccinate their kids because they think there's something in it that's going to screw their kid up. But from the from the research that I've read, on the average, when I was growing up, you gave a kid his vaccinations by the age of five. Because by the age of five, they figured that his immune system was not fully developed, but slightly better than it was if he was an infant. So... Everybody that I know had their vaccinations about the same time I did when they were five. And they all seem to turn out well because everybody that I know that is still alive seems to be functional. But I do have some friends that are what they would call autistic. And one of the reasons is because they got vaccinated at the age of six months. Yes, the doctor started running up a timetable and started vaccinating kids at six months. Now their immune systems are not even beginning to develop. And I think this goes straight to the brain and kind of short-circuits some neurons up in there and they, they get autistic. But it became a problem, and so people just stopped vaccinating their kids. Uh, I'm for the from the school of... Wait till the kid's five years old. Most doctors believe that that's a good age for vaccinating a kid. So I get a flu shot every year because that's the thing to do, uh, and I got this shingles shot yesterday, and then I have to go back in 60 days, because you have to get a secondary booster shot uh, no sooner than two months, but no later than six months, so I'm figuring around November the 15th, I gotta go and get my second secondary shot, but after today... I think what I'm gonna do is get the shot on a Friday after clinic because I'm gonna need the whole weekend to recover because if it it hit me this hard and uh, I can only imagine what the second half is gonna do so this is just a warning if you decide to get a shingles vaccine and the shingles vaccine is a vaccine called Shingnex yeah if you're Mexican like me, that's funny because why can they call it Chingao or Chingale or no mechingas. Chingas? I don't know. It just that's just funny to me. But Chingvex is the vaccine, and it comes in two parts. And the first part will definitely knock you in the dirt. So if you get the shingles vaccine, do it on a Friday, so that way you have the weekend to recover. It's definitely gonna it's gonna ring you out. So this is just my warning to you. But it's a good thing. Make sure you get your your vaccines because you don't want this. this, Because what happens with the shingles is they never stop coming back. They'll go away for a few months and they come back with a vengeance. They go away for a few months, they come back again. So this is going to be the rest of your life. I'd rather get the vaccine and not ever have to worry about it and um, be good to go. So make sure your vaccinations are up to date. And think about what it is you don't have that you do need. If you're over 50, you might want to think about a pneumonia shot. I think those are good for 10 years, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And then, of course, every year you get your flu shot because there's a different strain almost every year. They can all they can do is predict what strain they're going to have, and and they can completely miss the mark because you may get. You may get vaccinated for this strain, but actually the strain comes out is the C strain, and then you're going to get sick. And the flu shot really was not going to help you very much. But make sure your shots are up to date. Know what it is you need to get, and get it. Because you don't want this. After talking to my girlfriend, she wouldn't wish this on her worst enemy. So, with that said, make sure your shots are up to date, and get vaccinated, you mutts all right you've been listening to the chairland chronicles i'm not dead yet i'm your host ben hur thanks for listening stick around we got more to come and we're back you're listening to the chairland chronicles i'm not dead yet thanks for sticking around i'm your host ben hur and we got more stuff for you tonight. Well, today is Thursday, uh, it September the eighteenth, I think. Yeah, It's tomorrow's the nineteenth. And uh, man, it was a crazy night on the on the sixteenth. On yes, he says. Oh, I was checking my Facebook. And somebody had posted a video of these, I'm assuming Mexican teens, here in San Antonio, that had blocked off a section of the expressway. Doesn't tell you which one it was, but you could see the, the street lamps in the center of the, of the highway and the, the concrete blockades that they had with the median, and then the four lanes of highway. And these kids have stopped traffic, lots of kids with their cars blocking the expressway, which I thought was very dangerous, not to mention very stupid. And they set fire into the middle of the road, which is damage to property of the city of San Antonio or the state of Texas, depending on how you look at the highway. And uh, I would say, what's wrong with these idiots? And they're all carrying Mexican flags. And then I get, oh, this is a says thing. Yeah, viva Mexico. But here's here's my twist on that somebody was popping off a gun and all these kids are just blocking this expressway which is very dangerous they weren't even protesting anything it was just Mexican pride okay I get it the fire was a little bit too much it was ridiculous it was stupid and then uh, you know what I came to the conclusion if you love Mexico so much why don't you go back and stay there Oh, wait, you've got the good life here in the United States. You get to go to school, probably for free. You know, you probably got a good job at a Taco Bell or a Chick-fil-A. So, yeah, why would you need to go back? I'll just block a highway traffic here and start a fire in the middle of the street. Because I'm an idiot and I'm a kid. Yeah, I sound like a tankerous old man, but I don't care. So, anyway, that was done. And... Uh you learn some things when you don't know anything about anything today I went to discount tires because I needed to put a new set of tires on my car the other tires were very worn out uh, I was going to the tire shop for air almost once a week every week You know, they knew me, uh, they already knew what I wanted they'd come out, just pump the air, I'd give them a couple of bucks and be on my way well, I finally got a uh, Discount Tire credit card with a limit that would get me four tires and uh, went to Discount Tire. Now, because of the COVID, you know, you had to call to make an appointment ahead of time, which I did. And so you go, You there's a tent off the side of the building. And that's where they take your basic information, and uh, if you have an appointment, then they tell you go park between a couple of black uh, cones. Nothing racial there. And wait. So the guy came out, and said yada yada yada. Okay, four tires. He goes, let me check the tires real quick, and he checked them. He goes, these are 18 inch. The guy that you talked to on the phone wrote down that they were 17 inch. Hey, that's what he. That's what he wrote. That's what he wrote down. That's what he said is on his computer. I don't know 18 from 15 so you you got me so I learned that much that my car has 18 inch tires on it even though the computer said it takes a 17 inch go figure so they had them in stock and uh, watched as they put them on very interesting they pulled each tire off took off the uh, the offending tire there was one tire, the right rear tire, that was still in better shape than the other three because I had just replaced it, uh, I want to say, in May. And uh, because it it wouldn't have passed inspection if I hadn't changed it. So I had to pay 75 bucks for that tire. Because they said, that tire is still in good shape. I said, nah, I'm going to change all four of them. So they put all four tires on about about 45 minutes. They were true to their word and 45 minutes later we're pulling the car out and on the way home. So now I got new tires, now I have to go back to them or go to my dealer because now they got to reconnect, they got to put new sensors on and calibrate them and turn them on. And I'm very curious, does anybody know how a tire sensor works? My question is, is, does it send a signal to a satellite? and the satellite beams it back down to the car or does it talk directly to the CPU that's an interesting question so if anybody can answer that that would be very very cool so got a new set of tires in the car I should not have to be putting air in it anymore and I just need to get the sensors fixed because it's it's still it still says on my dash sensors are all screwed up you need to fix them okay so now I asked the guy how much the sensors were at discount he said I thought he said 16, but hey, mom's mom thinks he said 60. So okay, that's going to get expensive. Six, so that's 240 dollars right there, as opposed to what I thought would have been 64. So we'll see. Uh, so that was a highlight of my day. Then I came back home and decided to get busy with trying to get uh, some things taken care of for my insurance needs. Next month is the open enrollment for new insurance. Uh, Or if you're doing the marketplace, that applies to you too. And if you don't, especially if you don't have insurance. Because really in this day and age, you need a doctor. You need a primary care physician, a BCP. So my insurance agent with WellCare, who handles my Part D, is, uh, what the hell is that? Uh, it's an airplane. I hope it's an airplane. I see a big bright light outside. It's a low bright light. I don't hear any rotor blades like a helicopter. I don't hear an engine like an airplane. And it's going over the house right about now. I still don't hear anything. I have no idea what that was I just saw. Ah, there are the rotor sounds. I hear rotors now, so it's a helicopter. Anyway, so uh, I talked to my my agent, Jorge, and he told me that I'm still good to enroll in on October 15th when they start the, the period because now it seems... The federal government has released the restriction of not qualifying for a supplemental insurance policy if you have a debilitating or a precondition like in my case chronic kidney disease or cancer or whatever, whatever holds people back. So I will be able to qualify for a supplemental insurance, which means I can finally go get my eyes checked, get my teeth fixed, and it's going to cover my co-pays on uh, all, my, all my medical visits because right now I am up to my neck in bills, bills, and more bills. I owe Baptist Hospital $700. I owe a, my physician that did my gallbladder surgery $150. I owe my dialysis clinic about $5,000 because what Medicare doesn't pay, they bill me. That's my copay. I can't pay it because I don't have the money. I'm drawing $900 a month in Social Security, so. How am I supposed to handle that besides my regular bills? So anyway, uh, that's my life. But, you know, these are the things that I have to deal with. So anyway, getting back to the insurance. So he told me, first and foremost, to make things much more easier, you need to get Medicaid. I currently have Medicare, but I do not have Medicaid. Medicaid also is a government program that helps you pay the copays on your on your medical bills. So once again I wouldn't have to pay out of pocket like I have been because you don't get that money back. So he told me to he gave me a phone number which is was an a phone number for United Healthcare to they they, they handle a lot of their their Medicaid clients. So I called them. They called me back and told me that they didn't do that there. They would have to call another agent. So she gave me that number. I called that agent, and he said, "No, you need to call United Healthcare." I said, "They're the ones that just gave me your number." He goes, "No, no, no. You got to talk to them." And they told me I got to talk to you. And he was starting to double talk. And I said, "You know what, buddy? Never mind." And I hung up. So I called two one one, and I called the state, and I said, "Hey, how do I go about getting Medicaid?" So she told me that I qualified for Medicaid, but what I had to do was go to the website, yourtexasbenefits.com, and apply for an account to get in, and then I could apply for Medicaid. So I go to the website, I start logging in to open an account. I'm on the last page and a red flag pops up and it says there's an error with the server Please try again later. If you feel that this recording was an error, please call two one one or TTY the one eight hundred. I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm not gonna call it. I'll just wait and try again. So, I'm on hold for Medicaid. I'm waiting on the fifteenth to roll around so I can get into the supplemental uh, insurance program and I can get some stuff taken care of. Because I need to get to an ophthalmologist because I'm going blind. I need to know if there is there are treatments for my eyes. It involves laser surgery where they gotta stab my eye with a laser and burn something, burn the I guess the, the bad stuff away, and so that way I can see, be able to see again and drive better, see better, read again. Because everything's a blur. You know, when when it's nighttime I can see pretty good in the dark, but when it's daylight, ooh, everything starts to disappear. Everything just gets fuzzy. And so I haven't been driving very much lately. So hopefully if I can get that taken care of, I'll be in a lot better shape. Oh, and tomorrow I'm probably gonna have a big, big old fight with my uh, dialysis clinic because they want me to have a procedure that nobody told me was due, number one didn't give they couldn't give me a reason why i needed that that procedure done that satisfied me anyway and i tried to explain to them that i haven't even finished paying for the last uh procedure that they did six months ago i'm still paying on that i'm still once again more bills on top of bills so we'll see i'll let you know tomorrow all right well thank you once again for listening those of you that listen to my podcast know I'm a pretty straight up guy I can be pretty blunt at times and that pisses some people off and I can't control that Um, but uh, I do my best and I do it that way you get an understanding of what it's like to be me or somebody in my shoes and uh, to take care better care of yourselves so you don't end up like me you know We're all going to get something. And the the less irritating or less invasive it is, the better. That way you can deal with it better than something like this that just, boom, just hits you really hard and you can't recover. And you spend the rest of your life trying. So, uh, with that said, once again, I don't say this very often anymore, but I want to thank the people at Anchor Radio for putting my podcast out there all over the place. And for those of you that listen to it, that get something out of it, even if it's a little smidge of, of a little nugget of information that, that you find valuable, I've done my job. But thank you all for listening. I love you all deeply. You mean a lot to me, especially my female listeners and my foreign listeners, all you people over the other side of the big pond. Hello. Erin go So, as always... Live your life if it's your last day on earth. And live for your family, your loved ones, and yourself. The world is a beautiful, beautiful place. You just got to find the beauty. It's not going to jump out at you. You got to find it. Also laugh at everything and everyone because life can be a joke. Sometimes you wonder when you look at it in, in uh, at a different perspective so laugh and then last but not least love love everybody in this beautiful world there's no need for hate although it's always going to be there but love love and love yourself laugh at yourself live with yourself and be happy as best you can and as my favorite uh, TV guy says Sean Hannity let not your heart be troubled my friends tomorrow's another day and we'll all be here and we'll all be better people have a great night enjoy this episode and uh, as we used to say on the old podcast ciao bella